Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to your Friday, October 23rd edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Bill Clement going to join us in just a couple of moments. A very in-depth conversation with Bill Clement on a number of topics, including uh, his early broadcasting career where he cut his teeth alongside Doc Emmerich, who, of course, retired this past week. Uh, we'll talk to Bill about working with Doc Emmerich, also about working with Gary Thorne, who he worked with at ESPN for all those years. And, uh, Uh, Some great broadcasts there as well. So we'll get Bill on that. Also on the current state of the Flyers, free agency, the draft, uh, growth in young players, and much, much more uh, with Bill Clement coming up in just a minute. But we do have some actual NHL news to tell you about. Uh, They put out a release on Thursday stating the following. The National Hockey League today announced the postponements of the 2021 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic and the 2021 Honda NHL All-Star Weekend. The 2021 Bridgestone NHL Winter Classic featuring was supposed to feature the Minnesota Wild and St. Louis Blues at Target Field in Minneapolis, uh, originally scheduled for January 1st, 2021. The Florida Panthers were to host the 2021 Honda NHL All-Star Weekend at the uh, BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida, originally scheduled for January 29th and 30th that weekend. Uh, both events have been postponed due to the ongoing uncertainty resulting from the coronavirus. The league intends to return to both Minnesota and Florida for these signature events in the near future. And here's a quote from uh, the NHL Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Content Officer Steve Mayer. He said fan participation both in arenas and stadiums as well as in the ancillary venues and events that we stage around the Winter Classic and All-Star Weekend is an integral to the success of our signature events. He went on to say, because of the uncertainty as to when we will be able to welcome our fans back to our games, we felt that it was a prudent decision at this time to postpone these celebrations until 2022, when our fans should be able to enjoy and celebrate these tentpole events in person as they were always intended. We are also considering several new and creative events that will allow our fans to engage with our games and teams during this upcoming season. So Steve Mayer from the NHL office uh, announcing that uh, today's announcement does not impact the joint declaration by the NHL and the National Hockey League Players Association on October 6th that they are targeting on or around January 1st, that they are targeting on or around January 1st for the start date of the next regular season we'll see if that's going to be an 82 game season if it's a shortened season that'll obviously depend on when they start and uh, how this schedule will lay out will there be an all canadian division to at least begin the year with the u.s and canadian border still closed and uh, you would have to have some quarantining going on if you were to enter canada now for 14 days could there be an all canadian division at least for the first say third of the season and then move into a more opened up schedule realigned divisions regional scheduling maybe multiple games in a market when you travel there for instance if the flyers were to travel to boston they would face boston twice while they're there not go two separate times and really cut down the travel as well all these things i'm sure are being considered by the nhl and the nhlpa i'm sure they'll be announcing a return to play committee much like they did during the pause uh, for these conversations to begin in earnest as we get closer and closer to november and December, if they're targeting January 1st or early January, you would have to think training camps for these teams would begin sometime around mid-December, late December, couple-week training camp, and then head right into the 2021 NHL season. If you're like me, you're missing the game a lot right now. The leaves are changing, the temperatures are dropping, and we're used to 
having NHL hockey at this time of year. We understand why it's not here right now, but we're used to having hockey in our lives, uh, watching the Flyers, watching the NHL, watching the other leagues, whether that be the AHL, East Coast League, uh, Junior, Canadian, uh, the Quebec Major Junior League, whatever it is, we're used to watching all that and consuming it now. Uh, We're not doing that for the most part with most of those leagues right now. Hopefully we get closer and closer to that beginning and a start date that's not too far off because I'm having the withdrawal symptoms like I know a lot of people and a lot of people that correspond with us here on Flyers Daily uh, through my Twitter account, at Jason Mert. By the way, if you have not left a rating and review for this podcast, I would love it if you did. Um, They tell me it's very important for other Flyers fans to find this podcast, to leave a rating and review. Uh, We would appreciate that. And any of the stuff that you've missed over the past, eh, say, week or so, or even going way back to when we did Coaches Week during the pause, or when we did Scouts Week leading into the NHL draft, it's all there in the queue. Check out the past episodes as well. A lot of really good content there. And I will tell you that during the NHL pause, we had a chance to have some really good in-depth conversations with players, coaches, executives, conversations that had the season going on normally, we wouldn't have been able to have. Uh, to get more into conversations about the person, not necessarily the hockey player or hockey coach or hockey executive, kind of a peek behind the curtain as to who these players are, who these coaches are, who the management staff are beyond just the world of hockey. Worthwhile to go back and check that out. But right now, let's get to my conversation with former Flyer, Stanley Cup winner, current broadcaster, one of the best in the business, Mr. Bill Clement. Very happy to have joined us here on this episode of Flyers Daily. He is a legend. He won Stanley Cup, and we all wish we won one, and the Flyers wish they would have won one this year. Broadcaster, Flyers alumni, NHL alumni, Bill Clement joins us today. Bill, how are you? Jay, it's doing great. Thanks. How are you? Life treating you okay? It's treating me good, Bill, but I got to say that I was talking to Bill Meltzer about this the other day. I'm I'm having like withdrawal symptoms because as the leaves are changing, the weather's changing. I'm so darn used to settling into a hockey season right now uh, for yeah. the NHL. While I have a youth season in my beer league season, I don't have the NHL right now. I'm having a hard time with it. Yeah, it's confusing. I guess that this this whole year from March to March and probably beyond that is confusing. It's um it's kind of funny when as a player. People never believe me when I would say to them, like, what, what day is it today? During the season, I'd say, what day is it? They'd say, you mean, what's the date? I'd say, no, what day of the week is it? I have no idea because when you're a player, you just go by, do we play today or do we not play today? You don't know Monday from Thursday or Sunday. And it's kind of that way for everybody now. It's sort of disorienting, thinking that things should be doing something at a certain time of year that aren't, and you go wait a minute, I got to reset, you know, I got to, okay, now I know where we are. So I know what you're going through. There's a biorhythm as, as an athlete, isn't there? Like you play this game, you know, we only, that only happened after the, that only happened after the games. Yeah. Well, I know it was oh, going on. Not that kind of biorhythm. Okay. No. <laughs> but you know, you mentioned you played in the NHL and, and there's a rigidity to the structure of your life. That's your job. And, and there's right. a lot of structure to get up, practice, you know, get your nap in on game days and, and do all those things. And you imagine it's pretty hard for the players in dealing with the lack of rigidity right now, especially when they don't know when they're coming back. It's, it's, a. have always uh, had such great respect for, for pro athletes, uh, hockey guys, especially naturally and their abilities to, to continue to bring everything in like this. Right. So, 
so that they focus laser focused. I think the challenge is greater being in the bubble was a perfect example of how teams had to do this complete um, paradigm shift of what was normal, what they should expect. But I thought the quality of play for most of the teams, most of the players was, was outstanding. And I know it's, it's, it may be a little disorienting for, for players right now, but of all of the people in the world, pro athletes, especially the ones that get to the major league level, are able to, to, to reset, right? And say, okay, this, is, this has to be my norm. My days are different. My weeks are different. The seasons are different. You know, everything's different. The one thing I know is I have to be ready to do what I do best. And I, and I think the players, you know, they, they just sort of shake it off and say, we'll do what we got to do, right? You have no choice. We do what we got to do. Yeah, to me, and I say this coaching youth teams, and I know a lot of, you know, talking to Carter Hart, he talks about it a lot, control the controllable. What you yeah. can't control, but when the puck drops, you can control, you know, your level of readiness and preparedness and all of those things. Uh, yeah. I, I want to get you on a bunch of things, but first of all, I want to start here because uh, the news came out this week that your former partner, Doc Emmerich, has decided to hang up the headphones, and uh, you, you had a, a, long, a lot of history with Doc, and yeah, there's the book right there off mic yeah. um, from yeah. Doc Emmerich and it, such a classy guy, total pro. Wow. He didn't just write the a note to you, Bill. He wrote a, a, another chapter in the well, front of that we book. Have, well, you know, we, we kind of have a special bond. I mean, we both, we kind of broke into major Doc was a broadcaster for many years on radio doing international league and just kept working at it and improving all the time. But we broke into the major leagues as a, as a team, as a pair. Yeah. You know, so we worked together for seven years. So in our formidable growth years and learning years about how this whole thing works, how, how television really worked, um, Doc and I, we held each other's hands quite a bit, you know, because when we'd go through things that were stressful or different or difficult, um, all I, I knew one thing, I had a partner there that had my back all the time. And, and the same, I think Doc would say the same thing. What made him... Um rise to the level that he did because I mean, his preparation was second to none, his uh, ability to, you know, create excitement and call the game for, and let it breathe when it needs to, the game needed to breathe. And maybe the crowd needed to do the, the descriptive uh, analysis, um, right. but he had a tremendous sense of timing, tremendous sense of vocabulary, obviously. And uh, you know, what, what was it about him that, that allowed him to rise to the level that he did in this, in this business? Well, I think the first thing is that like all great athletes and people that achieve greatness in any walk of life, he was driven to do so. But unlike a lot of uh, most athletes where you can be so influenced by coaches, right, that help you get there as long as you have the drive, as a broadcaster, yes, there are people that can give you, I guess, suggestions. Some of them suck. You know, there are people that give you suggestions that you work for over the years that have no damn idea what they're talking about. They've never sat in the seat. And you have to be perceptive, you have to be introspective, you have to be a fan and look at the other people doing what you do and say, what is it that they do that I really like, right? Letting, letting something breathe after a goal is scored, a home, home stadium goal is scored or touchdown. You just let it breathe for a few seconds. So Doc learned timing. Doc is, is so perceptive, such a quick study. And he's so smart. I mean, he, you know, his nickname Doc is because he's got a PhD in communication. So yeah. he didn't just fall off a turnip wagon. He's a really bright guy, a really driven guy, a real sensible guy and a real sensitive guy. And as a result, he just pieced it together. I mean, Doc wasn't as good at the beginning as he is now, like all people who are driven to be the best. 
there's no such a thing as saying, well, I'm where I want to be now, right? I ain't going to bother trying to get any better. Doc's yeah. always tried to get better year after year after year, and he has. It's so interesting that you say that. I've been doing radio for 26, 27 years now. I've always said that I've taken instruction from program directors, the ones who actually sat in the chair that know the plight of what you're going through mentally when you're sitting there and the phone's not ringing or, you know, that knows the pain or the suffering or whatever it is that you go through in the job. I think it's so important to have that. Uh, you worked with Doc and you worked with Gary Thorne. I mean, you're talking about two of the best in the business. And I mean, you and I have talked about your work with Gary before, and I'm such a huge fan of it. Um, when, you, when you work with two guys that are both extremely high level, but they're far different to work with, aren't they? Uh, yes and no. Um, you know, you can't script what's going to come out of your mouth before the game starts, right? Yeah. The only part you can script is the open. And then you have to sense one another. Your, your partner has to sense you. You have to sense your partner. Your partner has a, you know, a quality partners have a sense of like play-by-play -play guys have a sense of when their analysts should want to say something and when they can tell just by a twitch of body language that they've got something to say and they let them in, right? And then where you go at the same time, the analyst has to have enough sense not to make it a two minute monologue, especially when play is going on. So Gary was really in tune as Doc is, um, really in tune to the pace of the game and the cadence of, of how you work with your partner. The other thing too, is that the one thing that Doc and Gary shared, as did Dave Strader. I did a lot of games with the late Dave Strader. Oh, he was great. And, and to, I've actually worked with 32 different play-by-play -play guys. Wow. in my in my career uh, most of them short term some of them longer term but um the thing about those guys that i just mentioned jake's mcdonald i worked for four years with jake's mcdonald i played in the nhl for the atlanta flames when jigs was our tv play-by-play -play guy and then i ended up working with him years later but they all have great senses of humor and and you can't take what we do I mean, you have to take it seriously because you're the conduit between stuff that's happening on the ice or on the football field or baseball diamond that fans are really, it's really important to them. So yeah. you never want to make light of anything. You don't want to become the show yourself. But if there's a momentary opportunity to laugh with your partner about something, whether it's bang, bang, go for it. And, and working for me, it was always so easy to work with play-by-play -play partners that had great senses of humor and Doc and Gary Thorne and Dave Strader. Jim Jackson's the same. I mean, I didn't mention Jimmy. I've worked with Jimmy now um, longer than I had anybody. Yeah. Um, probably not as many games because I don't do all of the games, but, but JJ's sense of humor is just like Gary Thorne's and Doc Emmerich, spontaneous, uh, appropriate, um, and, <laughs> and so much fun as a result. Being in the seat beside those guys is really, really a lot of fun. Let me ask you that because you played in the league. You won a cup. You scored a goal in a very important game winning or, you know, in a game where you guys clinched the cup. Yeah. Um, do, do, I don't know if this is a fair question, but do you enjoy broadcasting more than playing? You've been doing it longer because obviously your career has got an expiration date from a broad, or from a player standpoint, but, or are they just different? They're different. Two different the hockey lives. Well, the, the, this, I'll talk about the similarity first. The similarity is, um, or the, the takeaway that I enjoyed from both of them is that sense of accomplishment of doing something on a team and as a group. 
And broadcasting, doing a television game um, is a team. I mean, there's a truckload of people all wearing headsets and there's now there's, you know, there's JJ, there's, there's Taryn, Taryn Hatcher. There's, you know, so many people that are involved in what we do that after a game that goes very smoothly and everybody's pretty happy and nobody is, you know, says, keep the sharp objects away from me because I screwed so many things up. I don't, I don't feel very good about my game, uh, but that's, there's that sense of team accomplishment, but the takeaway of that sense of team accomplishment when you win as a hockey team, just because of the physical effort and the emotional effort that, and the emotional drain very often that has to go into it is, is the greatest thing on the planet for me. Yeah. You know, they, as a group, they plug in the scoreboard for a reason. What's that? They plug in the scoreboard for a reason, yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It ultimately dictates a lot of that. Well, we wish Doc uh, obviously the best in, in his retirement. And I, I hope we get more essays from Doc because, uh, well, he does a good job narrating those essays, doesn't he? Oh, he can write. What a writer he is. Yeah. I mean, he's so talented. That's what and I, I've said this before. I say sense of humor is a big common denominator. But the same thing that all those guys that I've, you know, the, the, the four, five, six that I mentioned um, have in common, they're really smart. Yeah. You can't be a really good play-by-play guy if you don't have a really high IQ. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll argue this with anybody. I've never had anybody argue back, but show me a dummy and I'll show, show you somebody that's not going to be a network play-by-play guy in any sport. Yeah. Not um, from Costas to Joe Buck to all of the, the greats, all the hockey greats, you name it. They're smart yeah. guys. You, got, you have to be an intelligent man. You have to be able to think very quickly, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on who could replace Doc? I mean, it's a big chair to fill. I mean, he wasn't the biggest of men in stature, but it's a big chair to fill. Is yeah. it John Forsland who did such a good job? We saw on the national stage in the bubble and has done some NBC work before and is now out of Carolina. I hope it is. I love he is good, isn't he? Work. Yeah, I, I really do. He's worked really hard for a lot of years to be really good. And he is different than Doc in many ways. Is But John is, and again, really smart really intuitive, understands the game, great voice, generous with his partner. He and Bush, I think Brian Boucher were oh. really well together. Yep. You know, I mean, Kenny Albert, depending, you know, NBC often wants to go with the New York guy. Yeah. Right. And that's, and but Kenny Albert, I think Kenny Albert puts on a great show. I hope it's Forslund because he's out of North Carolina, uh, out, of the, out of the hurricanes lives now. And I, I never was able to really get caught up on that story, but I, was it a contract thing that he couldn't, Get yeah. settled on, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they've they've got purse strings that are have cinched so many people's, you know. Yeah, <laughs> choking out their livelihood. Yeah. So I hope it's John. I'd love to see him get that opportunity. He deserves it. Nobody deserves it more than him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Bill, the offseason uh, has been in full swing. They handed out the cups now, I guess, about three weeks ago. Uh, we've had our draft. We've had the uh, free agency period. And maybe to no shock of anybody, the free agency period has been, I forget who kind of termed it this way. Maybe Bradtree Living kind of termed it as constipated (laughs) because of the flat cap. And and obviously, you know, that's going to be multi years of a flat cap. And then you have an expansion draft looming as well. Anything, anything popped to you in this free agency period? The Taylor Hall really deal popped to me, a one-year deal. I thought he wanted to win. He went to Buffalo, probably still not a winner there, but anything really kind of stick out to you? Yeah, that people were constipated and constrained by the by the flat cap and by the fact that it's going to be flat for the next few years, the next 
I guess this season and maybe two more after that, there was nobody lining up for Taylor Hall. Yeah. He had to take a one-year deal. He's getting $8 million, but he had to take a one-year deal in Buffalo because there just wasn't that line of suitors. So um, I think he's got a chance to play with, you know, with Jack Eichel and Not really bad. light it up. And I think he's probably going to like Buffalo. And I think Buffalo has got some pieces in place to be a good team pretty soon, uh, as long as they get a goaltender. But one way or the other, I, I hope for the Sabres' sake that Taylor Hall doesn't come in and have a bang up year and just say, eh, see you guys. I hope the Sabres step up, you know, if he has a great year and sign him. But the lack of movement was really, you know, and, and the lack of, I wasn't surprised that the Flyers hardly did anything. Yeah, they I weren't a free agent player anyway. What's that? They weren't really a free agent player at this position anyway. To me, they're more of a trade team if they're going to do something significant. Yeah, no doubt. And 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 uh, child, I keep wanting to call him Cliff because I played <laughs> for his dad, you know, Cliff Fletcher. Um, but but there's going to be addition by virtue of maturity. The Flyers are still really young, so I'm I'm not you know the the Flyers are going to be a really good team this year. So we'll see. <laughs> Uh, Bill, Bill, they lost a big piece. They lose a, I mean, Pitlick, losing Pitlick is is a nice piece because he's a, a professional that you know what you're going to get game in, game out. Shift in, shift out for that matter. Uh, but younger guys have to step up. And in this flat cap world, Nicholas Albay Kubel maybe have to fill that role when he's a little cheaper. And, and Pitlick got a raise in a, in a multi-year deal. Uh, but the loss of Matt Niskin in that sudden retirement, um, first of all, that shock you? And, and what kind of void does that leave? Because it's a pretty big one. It, it's a big, yeah, it shocked me. Um, but then again, I guess the bubble meant different things to different players, especially guys with families, you know, how much do you really want to be away from your, you know, from your family and how much money do I really need? And Matt Niskin was hardly ever hurt. He was in great shape all the time. There were stretches during the, the, the season before it paused last March where I, I was, I really felt that you could put Matt Niskin and Ivan Provorov as a pair in a group of top five pairs in the NHL for yeah. stretches, not the whole season, but there were stretches when they were that good. And I looked at other pairs, you know, anybody that played with Victor Hedden in Tampa had to be on that list, but they were great. So it's a huge hole. I, I felt that, that Matt really played well with Ivan. And I thought they were the perfect example of synergy as in one plus one equal three with them. Yeah. Right. But now you got three minus one, I don't know what it's going to leave. I don't know if Eric Gustafson can play, plays the right side. He was signed. He had 17 goals and 43 assists two years ago in uh, two seasons ago in Chicago. Uh, Derek Pouliot was signed as a death player, but he signed a two-way contract. Yeah. But uh, the Flyers now have such a glut of quality forwards. And, and the, the cupboard's still so strong that Chuck, Chuck can make a deal for a defenseman, a right-hand shooting defenseman that could play, you know, on a top pair. So is that a Dumba? Is that, is that a guy that fills that, that void for you? Could be. Yeah. Got, I think four sure. years left on his deal at 6 million per the, the, the money kind of matches what yeah. Niskanen's was. He was a 5.75. Yeah. Uh, that would really match. He's a good, he's a hell of a player, Matt Dumba. Yeah. And, and the general manager is pretty familiar with him, drafted him Very. and signed him to that contract. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And let me ask you about, if they don't make a trade for a top pairing defenseman, who who's on this roster that's the most logical to play alongside Ivan Provorov in that top pair? Is it Gustafson who played with Duncan Keith in that 60 point year that you mentioned, or is it 
Phil Myers or Travis Sanheim. I, I hate to break up those two because I love the, the way they play together, but right. is it one of those players? Uh, not, only if they have to, I think. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's assume nobody else arrives before the season is supposed to start on the 8th of January. Uh, you'd hope that Eric Gustafson can be that guy. He's a smart player, not a real physical player, but, but I mean, Ivan's strong and Gustafson's 200 pounds, six feet, 200 pounds. So he's big enough. So I, I would, I would think that the, that Eleni Vino is hoping that it can be Gustafson. So he doesn't, as you point out, have to break up Myers and Sandheim yeah. uh, ghost. I don't think ghost would be the natural fit um, up there playing the right side. Um, so I, I think in a perfect world, it would be Eric Gustafson or somebody that Chuck Fletcher trades for. Because when Sanheim and, and Myers, I can't wait to see them again. Yeah. You know, they're, they're young guys still, early 20s, and just growing. Travis Sanheim grew more than any player on the team I felt last season. Bill, they, I, I always use this terminology. Just pretend, suspend your belief for a second, and pretend a gazelle can actually skate. And I say they look like two gazelles on the ice, the way they cover the 200 by 85. Well, I mean, just the skating is off the charts on both of them, on Myers yeah. and Sanheim. I might stretch it and go to giraffes. <laughs> Not a baby giraffe that just comes out. And yeah. all, all Phil Myers' a... reach is so damn oh. good. Yeah, his you athletic know, ability. Justin Braun can't be a, a, a top pair guy, but he was a valuable player, and he's a really valuable PK guy mm-hmm. and third pairing guy. So it, it would have to be – I think it would have to be Phil Myers or Eric Gustafson, and if it's Phil Myers, then Ta- Travis Sanheim grew so much in his own end. Travis Sanheim, when he turned pro, did not know what a defensive zone was. Only because in junior, he was told he spent most of every shift, if the play was in the offensive zone, he spent most of every shift right between the hash marks. Yeah. In the Below slot. the top of the circle, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he's learned, he's learned the 200-foot game now, and he's, and he's really played, dedicated himself to getting stronger and to playing harder, more physical, all of that stuff. Uh, does the signing of Gustafson, is that anything in your mind that uh, says anything about the future of Shane Gossespierre with the Flyers? Does it make it more so. likely that he's moved? Well, it, it, certainly not less likely. <laughs> it doesn't leave them with a, 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 as big a hole as if Gustafson wasn't on the team. Yeah. I know they want to see Gus, right, and see what he's got. Although scouts can tell you what he's got. He's a smart player. Um, and Ghost looked good when he played. He had limited time in the bubble. But I got to tell you, since his knees are right, um, he he looked pretty dynamic. When his knees were bad, I, I would watch games and I would go, I'm, I, I can't skate. Yeah. Like he's too slow to be a player that, like he can't hang in at the blue line because if somebody chips a puck by him, he's gone. Yeah. I thought he had way more jump and way better speed once he got repaired. So yeah, if Eric Gustafson, even in training camp, looks like he's going to pan out, uh, ghost would be an easier guy to you know to move yeah he's got that he's got he's a shifty skater and if he doesn't have that shifty part of his game for ghost then that's one of his greatest weapons and to be able to walk the blue line and be able to make those little moves um but, but when you look at the league and you mentioned that january 8th is you know hopefully it starts january 1st january 8th january 15th and maybe at the latest but um playing 82 games i know they the league wants to get back to semi-normal off-season scheduling and all that stuff 82 would be really kind of condensed and, and really, it's going to be condensed no matter what but um the, the the do you think the league ends up going with 82 or are we more likely to see 60 games this season i think it 
it depends on when they start, right? Yeah. I mean, the NHL will do everything they can. Although, you know, I say for revenue, but who, how many people are going to be allowed in the, in the respective buildings? We don't even know that. But then again, you know, television contracts are based on a certain number of games. Yeah. So I think the NHL is going to try really hard to get 82 games in. But let me tell you what Gary Bettman, Bill Daly, and the crew at the head at the NHL office were so smart to be patient while they were figuring out the bubble, right? Yeah. They were going to go to Vegas and all of a sudden, bang, Vegas explodes with COVID-19. And they got criticized um, for being patient too at one point, but it was the right move. <laughs> God, it was the right move. Look what yeah. happened to this. Look, I mean, you know, Canada wouldn't let soccer teams there. I mean, baseball, uh, they, there were so many unknowns and, and, and things that weren't certain. I can almost guarantee you this, that without a guarantee that there's not going to be a spike in the virus at any point, that you'll see an all-Canadian division yeah. to begin with. And then if it opens up, then they can adjust. I mean, Marty Biron, I listened to him on, on XM the other day on, on the NHL network, and he, he talked about three different segments of the season. The first segment, a 30-game segment, where there's a Canadian division, and he had all the divisions sort of mapped out. And then you see if everything kind of has opened up by then, whenever that is, then you modify your divisions, yep. right? So you can have uh, interdivisional play that is interesting. So you're not just playing the same team. So I, I, I know that the NHL will do the right thing by being patient. And I know that they want to get 82 games in if they can. And I know that any team that doesn't have two goaltenders that can stop pucks with great regularity are going to be in big trouble. Yeah. You, right? You're because you're, you're going to get a lot more back to backs. You're going to get three oh. and four, four and oh. six. Yeah, and you and see. That's I'm, why the, I think the Flyers are are sitting pretty. I yep. Brian Elliott, I think, is underrated. His last three seasons with the Flyers, I know he had some injury problems. I think he's great with Carter Hart. I think Carter's fantastic. I mean, if you look around, there there are a lot of teams out there that are that, that need a goaltender, need a second goaltender that don't have the cap space. Yeah. Goaltenders, there was such a glut of goaltenders out there that there's, if anybody was looking for the big ticket as a goaltender, you know, and they're still out there looking, they're not going to get it. It's it's amazing. The goalie market, you look at it and Edmonton still came up with not a good situation out there, but then you look at a team like Montreal with Carey Price and the money dedicated to him and they bring in Jake Allen. They're dedicating $15 million to the position because they want to move forward and you have to have two. I think that's just yeah. a trend in the NHL. You got to have two period, even in a normal season, I think now. Yeah. Prices. It was, it was somewhat curious that Montreal would bring Jake Allen in who had a year left in his deal and give him a two year extension for yeah. pretty decent money for a backup when they haven't even seen him play a game in a Montreal uniform. Yeah. So I, you know, but they want, I understand you want stability. You can't just keep having this revolving door of backups and Gary Price is making 10 million. So he is what he is, and he's great. He is really good. Gosh, he was good against the Flyers in the playoffs. He was rested because he didn't just come off playing 65 games, and that's yeah, another right. reason why they got two. Right, you can't right, right. kill the guy, beat him into the ground like that, and then expect him come playoff time to be what we saw this year. Because when he yep. when he is rested and you see him this year, they're a dangerous team all of a sudden. Yeah. Boy, they played hard. Oof. They do. And and good young players and Suzuki and Kakaniemi and – you know, yeah. they get Brendan Gallagher extended. They make the Domi uh, trade, and they, and they end up getting some help there. Uh, Bill, they're one of the teams that I look at through this free agency and draft period. I go, they look like they've really improved. 
Um, any teams in the Metro that you see that you kind of go, wow, they've really improved because I really don't see it. I see some moves being made. Columbus cleared a lot of cap space, but wasn't able to spend on it. Maybe they're a trade out there. Maybe they're involved in line A like the Flyers have been rumored to be. And, you know, other than the Rangers who, you know, get the number one overall pick and I thought made some savvy moves. Uh, yeah. I, I look at the, these teams and I go, I, I don't see a lot of improvement in the division. I think the Rangers will be the most improved based on new personnel coming in. I think the second most improved team will be the Flyers based on all of the really good young players they have that are going to be a year older. Uh, I don't think Washington is, is getting any better. I don't think Pittsburgh is getting any, any better. You know, I mean, Malkin and Crosby are, are what they are. Um, it'll be really interesting to see if Pittsburgh's goaltending now holds up changing of the guard there. Um, if you're looking for, you know, Columbus is always going to be a pain in your butt because of John Tortorella coaching, right? The Islanders are always going to be really competitive and you had to be impressed with them. My gosh, Barry Trotz did such a great deal. They're young players, Beauvillier and, and uh, Barzell and these guys and their veteran players. I was really impressed with the Islanders. Can they get any better? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, I think they are what they are, but they're still going to be good. So I, I think that the New York Rangers and the Flyers will be the most improved teams, but for different reasons. And the Capitals are an interesting one, too, because yeah. they still have a lot of high pedigree. And now Peter Laviolette comes in. We know what he the the immediacy of results in Peter Laviolette's career is very yeah. well documented. Is he putting them in a position for one more run? Yeah, I think so. I think they're they still got the you know the the foundation. I guess they were really good, some outstanding players, um, and Ovechkin is just a beast, and he always will be. Um, their goaltending, yeah, it could be good. And Peter will be a difference maker, though. I never thought that Reardon, who you know, who was an assistant under Barry Trotz and taking over, I I just don't think that Todd Reardon's in uh, head coaching material in the NHL. Yeah. And Peter, while his expiration date. Um, is always kind of stamped somewhere on his body. And it's usually a three-year expiration date. Look out that first year, right? So by virtue of Peter being there, the Capitals can be in that category of being a dangerous team, especially the way Peter's going to coach them. It's going to be weird seeing Henrik Lundqvist uh, in in a Washington uniform, isn't it? Uh, Part of that tandem with Samsonov, no Braden Holt. Yeah, and Henrik will be a backup there, I, I think. You know, yeah. who knows if he's still physically able to be the starter or if Samsonov and he's, you know, split and kind of a, you know, a rotation type deal. Um, it's going to be different for Lundqvist. But, you know, I talked earlier about the focus that, that, you know, that major league athletes bring. Look at Tom Brady. Took him a couple of games to kind of figure out who that person was up on the big screen dressed in that Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform wearing number 12. Yeah. But once he realized it was him, Right. You become you who you good. are. You look pretty good against the Packers. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lundquist is a guy that'll stay out a half hour after every practice and teach the the young goaltender what it takes to be a successful NHL goaltender. He'll yeah. take breakaway after breakaway, shoot out attempts for, for a half hour. If that kid walks off the ice, it's gonna be like, dude, this guy's damn near forty. He's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You better stay out on that ice unless it's game day. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I hope he I hope he does well because he's one of my favorite players in the NHL. I don't think anybody has any more class than King Lundquist, you know, King Henrik. Uh, yeah. You know, he's just a, 
a class act, an interesting guy, you know, a, a musician, a, a guy that's good looking enough that he could be an actor or a model. And he's got the, the, the humility that every Swede that I've ever met has, you know, down to earth. So for a guy like that, I hope for good things. Bill, last thing for you is uh, some of the veteran players, some of the players just that the Flyers were counting on in the bubble um, did not have good bubble experiences. Right. You know, Konechny's a young player, but he, he went goalless. And I would have never thought that would happen. I thought he was immune to the bubble affecting his game. Sean Couturier as well had points where he played well, but wasn't the Sean Couturier that we come to expect and the one that won the Selkie this year. Uh, and Claude Giroux as well. James Van Riemsdyk we can throw in there as well. What do these players need to do? Um, with not knowing when they're reporting for camp, when the season's going to start, to have themselves ready to go and, and really be uh, the great players that the Flyers need them to be. Well, they, they know how to get themselves ready physically, right? That's the easy part. In here, it's coming in and doing something more than scoring no goals in the playoffs, you know, like for Travis and and G Claude Drew with one goal. Um, the only thing that is going to restore confidence to 100%. And it, and it sure looked like it was a factor for both Giroux and Konechny. For me, G was passing, you know, when, when he needed to be shooting, Travis was shooting wide most of the time when he needed to be just hitting the net. The only thing that's going to bring that back to them is positive reinforcement. It's coming back and doing it, right? You can't get ready and say, you know what? That slump where I didn't score a goal in the playoff, it's gone. You can say that, but you still have to come back and put pucks in the twine behind goaltenders and, and go from there. And it usually works itself out over the long term. The problem with the playoff round is you start to, when self-doubt creeps in and, and maybe a little bit of panic creeps in, it's like, geez, we're not going to win if I don't get out of this, right? During the regular season, it's easy for a coaching staff and other players to say, just keep working hard. You know, it'll come. We got time. You know, you don't have time in the playoffs. And that's why it's a whole different set of, of pressurized circumstances in the playoffs. I want, I want to get back to Nolan Patrick before we go, Jace. Um, he can be a huge difference maker for the Flyers this mm -hmm. year if he comes back and his head is right. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, the migraine disorder that he had. They kept him out of an entire season and more. But Nolan has to commit to being and wanting to be a real good NHL player. And that means bringing effort every game, bringing uh, a desire to compete every game, bringing a joy for the game. There were so many times that, that Patty didn't look like he was having fun, Yeah, you know? So I, I don't know where he's going to be if he's okay with his with his migraine disorder, as long as he comes back with his engine running as hot as it can run to go, I don't want to leave this game behind yet. I want to be here for another 10 years. He's 22 years old, right? I want to be here for another 13 years. What do I have to do to make that happen? If he comes back with that mindset. He's fire. got the package of tools. He does. <laughs> And he's not a winger. He's he's a center. But I mean, if you got yeah. you know you got Couturier and Hayes and uh, and Nolan Patrick and then whatever else you you want to do, uh, those are pretty good numbers. One, two, three centers, really good. Yeah, and the other thing I look at with Nolan too is he's put together two half good seasons. But maybe the fact that he missed an entire season can almost reignite 
that level of competition. And just like you said, I want to be, I want to be in this game for 10 to 13 years. I didn't play at all last year and I want to get back to doing what I've, what I've done my entire life and that's playing hockey. Yeah. Maybe that, that, that year off can be, that can be a byproduct of as well. Create yeah. that will and compete and desire to become a really good NHL player. Well, when you say reignite, that pushes the assumption forward that at one time it was ignited. Yeah, that's a good point. My point is it needs to be every game, right? Every week, every month. So we're there. I mean, if you looked at Nolan's graph of, you know, good play, two, three games in, you know, inadequate, good play. It was really like this for his first two years. So that has to be leveled off up here and, and, and then go from there. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He's got the right coach for that because the coach preaches accountability. And yeah. at, the coach doesn't just preach it. He holds the, the level of accountability is a huge, <clears throat> huge change for me and a reason why the team took a huge progressive step forward. Yes, sir. And I saw James Van Riemsdyk as an example, a healthy scratch in the playoffs. Yeah. Right? He came back and worked physically hard mm-hmm. and became a force down low at times below the goal line in the other end. He didn't just spend the whole time in front of the net, which is not a bad place to hang out, but just by virtue of the fact that Alain Vigneault is not afraid to scratch somebody that's a healthy player. That's like, no coach has ever done this to me before. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Scotty Lawton was the most improved player during the regular season. And he looked like, he looked in those in those round robin games, like he and Kevin Hayes and D- Travis Konechny looked like they were playing for the Globetrotters. Yeah, I mean it was unbelievable. Yeah, right. And then and then all of a sudden, wow, it just all went away. And when it went away, uh, Av said, "Scotty, watch from up there and see what it looks like." Yeah, and regroup. Results like that, and that's I, I you know I was thinking today that's one of the advantages. And there was an article talking about Igor Zamula getting a, a game article in, in one of today's groups of articles about Igor Zamula getting a, getting a, an exhibition game uh, up there in the bubble or around Robin game or what, what, no, it was an exhibit, the exhibition game. Yeah. And that was AV's decision. But when you've got a long-term contract as a coach, those are the kinds of decisions that you can make to really help a young guy. Cause you know, you're going to be here in two or three or four more years. Yeah, that's right? a good point. I just got one more year or two more years in his contract as a coach, maybe a young coach. It's like, I don't have time to, to develop players right just yet. I got to save my own ass first. Yeah, I'm I got to stay employed. Yeah, stay employed. <laughs> I, I said last thing I lied because Patrick Lineade's name has been out there. Now he's improved his 200 foot game because when he wasn't scoring prior to last season um, and he's a streaky scorer, he'll give you 14 goals in 12 games and then two assists in 23. Yeah. Uh, but he actually improved his 200 foot game. He's 22 years old. His name has been out there. The Flyers, through credible reporting, have been uh, in the mix. The price, uh, the asking price is probably a little too high right now. But if it does come down, uh, when you're talking, he's a unicorn. I mean, he's a guy that has scored 40 once, but he's capable of getting 50. He's maybe the top three shot in the league release with Ovechkin and Stamkos when healthy. Uh, is that something Chuck Fletcher should investigate and seriously consider pending uh, an outrageous ask for a return? Yes, to try to improve the team. No, if he really pictures Line A in a Flyers uniform. Line A played with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley when he really lit it up. 
Shifley as a center is really smooth, strong. Very Couturier-like. Good skater, but uh, yes, he's Couturier-like, but he's an incredible passer. You know, Shifley is one of the most underrated players in the NHL, and that's where line eight. The Flyers need somebody that can really dish, right? Coots can, um, but depending on what you have to give up, I, uh, as much as I, I love Kevin Hayes as a player, and I do, I recognize that he's hard to play with sometimes. Because mm-hmm. when you think you're going to get the puck, you seldom do. And sometimes when you don't think you're going to get it, you do. He mm-hmm. likes to dance, right? And he loves to do the compulsories with the puck. Um, and then if you got Nolan Patrick coming back, he's not going to be a number one center. You know, so you'd have to you'd have to play line A with either Kevin Hayes or Sean Couturier, right, in the early going. I mean, or if you wanted to keep Claude Giroux in the middle, he can dish. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, but depending on the price tag, line A is not an easy guy either. He's a trigger man. So you better make sure you have the kind of center that can draw people to him and then dish with a little feather pass and a little saucer pass so that he can just wade into it. You know he's going to score on the power play. I get that. He likes that off. He likes G spot. He likes Claude Giroux spot on the off yeah. dot, right on the half boards on the on the off wing. Uh, but I can't imagine if Winnipeg's shopping him, there are going to be some people at the counter ready to bring the cash register to get him. And yeah. I don't know how much the Flyers will be willing to pay. They get willing to pay. They get. They have to. Yes, they have to identify somebody that can come in and help in the goal scoring. How much they have to pay for it? I want to see Joel Farabee, what he looks like this year. You know, yeah. I want to see Oscar Lindblom. I mean, Oscar is one of the great stories for him to actually be in a game at the end of the bubble was fantastic. He was, you know, leading the Flyers in goal scoring. So you got two young guys right there. You know, you got Obi Kubel, you got Frost, you got uh, Isaac Ratcliffe that's not, you know, knocking on the door. And if, if you were a team that, that said, we're going to win the cup this year, this is the final piece. I've seen too many Flyers teams over the years fall apart because they said, suffered from Stanley Cup-itis. Yeah. You know, going all the way back to the Chris Gratt and Luke Richardson eras. You yeah. know, I think stick stick with it. Get a defenseman to replace Matt Niskanen. Your young guys, you're going to score. You're going to balance scoring. It's dangerous to bring one guy in thinking he's going to get 40. He takes ice time away from some of your young guys that are going to develop. Those are those are always tricky. I, yeah. I, I really would be worried about the Flyers giving up too much and not, not letting some of their young guys come along if they went out and got Patrick Laine. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be weird, though, because if the Flyers had Patrick Laine, they'd have a sniper, and they have Carter Hart and they have the goaltender. What the hell would the fans complain about? You have a sniper and a goaltender. That, that's the, the Flyer lament, right? The Flyer yeah. fan lament. We don't have a sniper. We don't have a, a goalie. Well, you'd have both, and maybe that would be great, but we'll see. Again, I can't give yeah. up a top four D-man and create a hole there because defense is way more important than uh, a streaky unicorn winger. Absolutely. Hey, Bill, this was a lot of fun. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I hope to see you soon. I yeah. hope we're back at games and the sport's back on the ice, but uh, I appreciate you doing this, appearing on Flyers Daily once again, and be well and I hope your family's well and uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, Jace. Thanks very much, man. Anytime. Special thanks to Bill Clement for giving us a solid 40 minutes today, more than I could have uh, asked for. Uh, and he's always great to talk to on a number of subjects and great conversation there with Bill Clement. In the meantime, everybody do me a favor, have a great weekend, stay safe, stay healthy. 
and we'll talk to you on Monday's all brand new episode of Flyers Daily.